0: Welcome, I'm Alexander and I'm Simon. We're still knee-deep in tech and this is episode 43. Hooray! Hooray indeed. Today is the 5th of June 2018 and we are in the metropolis of Skåra. Skåra. Skåra indeed.
1: And I'm having a massive cold?
0: You are. uh, I wouldn't say perhaps a massive because from the outside it looks fairly low-key.
1: Do you remember what Sex. I usually see myself as
0: penguin. <laughs> that was not the the answer you were looking for.
1: It's the correct answer. However, I usually see myself as a man, which oh. means that as lo- as soon as I get a cold, oh, I'm
0: a man called I'm dead. Oh, I'm I'm very sorry to say for all the listeners out there that Simon seems to be dead. <laughs> this is going to be a pretty short episode, I think. <laughs>
1: All right. Let's start with with the huge cat in the room, or
0: the what in the room?
1: Microsoft plus GitHub. Sure, equals but cat in the room. Do you know how
0: elephant in the room is usually the way you put it?
1: Yes, but GitHub's logo is a cat, I
0: guess. Oh, looks like a cat. Keep going. GitHub was yeah. GitHub cat cat hub cat <laughs> hub was uh, bought by Microsoft.
1: Yes. For seven point five billion dollars.
0: That's much more than we make.
1: <laughs> Newsflash. Yes. Uh, and uh, we actually had a, a meeting with a couple of sales uh, colleagues of ours this morning, and that was the first question they asked us. What why? does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> <Or> Wh- why?
0: <laughs> why and what does this mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, why? And now, please feel free to pitch in. I see this as. Th- there could be perhaps three ways, for every one of them. First of all, Microsoft wants to stipulate that they are, in fact, very friendly to open source, mm-hmm. which GitHub represents in many ways. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft is actually the biggest contributor to GitHub, or was already, uh, yep. before the yep. purchase. So it's it's a way to show that Microsoft for real is for open source. The second is to bring in new developers into the Microsoft ecosystem, because there are many developers not using Visual Studio, for example, that could be um, could be a more natural part of Microsoft now when uh, it belongs to when it belongs to Microsoft or or GitHub belongs to Microsoft. Uh, Also, by implementing and integrating GitHub even more closely into its services the obvious ones are visual studio and visual studio code but there are a lot of other product groups that are talking about integrating github and github features into their products config manager being one of them
0: sure and then you have the fact that github is the de facto spider in the net so yeah. to speak that everything all your code doesn't matter if it's it's real code, so to speak, or scripts or whatever. Everything is put into it. GitHub. It is easy to access and it is the glue that can easily be applied to Azure and to Amazon, to SQL Server, to whatever. Yeah, so Power I, BI has a connector for GitHub.
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't have guessed that this was going down but when it's obviously has happened, it's obvious why.
0: It is. Me. It is a definite... It was a good idea, and someone had the foresight to see this from Microsoft's perspective. And it sparked quite some um, upheaval, too.
1: Yeah, there are two very obvious groups. In
0: this. Yeah, I i can't remember when I saw this kind of division between the camps. As this. There are very few people that don't have an opinion on this. Yeah. It's like sushi. You either love <laughs> it or you hate it. Very few people say, meh, about sushi. It's the same with this. Either you love the idea of Microsoft acquiring GitHub, or you hate the idea of Microsoft acquiring GitHub.
1: Yeah, and what are the, the arguments for this being bad?
0: That um, I wh- What I've read is basically here comes Microsoft and they're gonna squish the whole open source thing. They are hostile to open source. They are a huge company. They they're gonna break everything, yada yada yada. The the usual heavy-handed, the Microsoft of old, I should say.
1: Yeah, because haven't Microsoft shown in so many different ways, shape or form, that they actually do not hate open source, that they want to embrace open source?
0: I would think so. And I saw a tweet that said Microsoft has the the most open and. L- attentive CEO ever in Satya. And Microsoft as a company has pretty much done an 180 on the whole open source thing. And they are putting money where their mouth is. They are not just talking about it. They are actually doing it. So in my view, this is a very, very good thing.
1: Yeah. And as I've understood it, GitHub was actually losing money year over year.
0: You could say that. You can also say that GitHub was bleeding money.
1: So yeah. So so and and that's the counter argument for that. Microsoft is actually rescuing GitHub.
0: In a way, yes. Then again, if if something is not is not working, uh well, apparently that uh, business model is not sustainable unless you get bought, yep. which they was.
1: Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. I now it's 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 a huge amount of money mm-hmm. and they are actu- they are losing quite large amounts of money every year. But from a Microsoft perspective, they do earn money on other things. I don't even know how GitHub has earned their money. I guess they they have had some kind of subscription thingy for enterprises. My guess. But that's not the point of this purchase. I don't think Microsoft sees GitHub making money. It's it's like you say, it's the glue that connects everything other. Exactly. And it's a great way to get people to use Microsoft services and solutions and products. Yep. And therefore, they can afford to lose a bit of money in this, and they do not need to earn that much from this.
0: No, and this is another aspect of the new Microsoft, if you put it that way. We are seeing a company playing the long game in a way that is exceedingly rare in this uh, this field. Yep. So very interesting, and I'm very much looking forward to see what, what's going to happen. I mean, don't forget that Microsoft has contributed some... Very interesting things to GitHub. Yep. For instance, the GitHub virtual file system. It turned out that GitHub could not handle the the sheer number of files, uh, the, the the source files. I think yep. it was from of, of Windows. I think Donovan Brown spoke about okay, this. Yep. Uh, so Microsoft actually created a new file system that was able to handle the this number of, of source files. And that they immediately open sourced and gave to GitHub, so it's that's free cool. for anyone to use. So yeah, that's just one of the things that they've already done. Yep. Hmm. I went to Denmark. <laughs> you did. You I sure did.
1: did. And and you watched a movie.
0: I, that that was a pretty good way of putting it. I went to Denmark. I did a session and I watched a movie. Then I went home again. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I think you sh- you really should. Uh, be telling the longer story
0: i should yeah. so intelligent cloud was the first time the um, danish user group i think it was an azure user, user group they decided to go big or go home yep, yep so they did and the event was held in copenhagen in a cinema yep that means that i have actually <coughs> given a presentation on a cinema-sized screen. Here we go. I was only in a small room that (laughs) seated perhaps 200 people, but a friend of mine, he did his session in the big, big room, (laughs) seated over 500 people.
1: That's almost IMAX-sized.
0: I have never seen such a big screen. (laughs) And it actually brings some very unexpected side effects you know exactly how crappy your pictures are <laughs> when they <laughs> go up like 15 meters yep. so that that was interesting my um i was actually in the uh, what's what was known as the community event which took place at, at later at night so 7 30 i presented secret server hates you to 25 ish people that was fun, and afterwards we uh, all went to the large uh, cinema and saw Solo. Yep, more Star Wars.
1: We we won't go into details. I I haven't seen it yet, and uh, it's good. go, yeah, go you, see you it. You said so. Yes, yep. that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the focus it it was a general cloud or Azure focused event, or what was the?
0: It was it was called Intelligent Cloud, but. The the um, it was basically Azure. There were a few yeah, discussions. Intelligent
1: cloud, intelligent edge, p- pretty much makes sense. But yep,
0: there was a, there were a few uh, discussions with uh, regards to um, Tableau versus Power BI, uh, Azure versus AWS. Those okay, kinds yeah. of sessions, yep. but just a few. Yep. The, the the absolute majority was Azure. Yep. Great.
1: Speaking of which, I'll uh, I have two talks coming up mm. next week. I'll be in Denmark as well. Really, speaking at Enterprise Windows User Group. Oh, nice! At Microsoft
0: in Copenhagen,
1: uh, just outside. Oh, uh, yeah, um, uh, the Microsoft office in in Copenhagen, but it's it's like a 15, 20 minute cab ride from the central station. Yes, so it's it's basically located in the same way as our office in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Uh. I'll be talking about Windows as a service and the automation of that. Uh, will be great fun. Lots of colleagues and old colleagues to meet. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Microsoft Denmark office as well.
0: If it is anywhere near the Microsoft office in, in Helsinki or the one in Munich, you're in for a ride. Yep. Those so. are awesome.
1: Yep. Uh, and the week after that, actually the week after I... <laughs> I go on holiday. Hmm. Uh, I'll be presenting Create Productive Apps with Office 365 at the Insider Dev Tour in Stockholm. Really? Yep. So how you can create plugins and utilize the already existing Office apps with other Office services.
0: Cool. Yep. Like Flow and stuff like that?
1: No, uh, focused on Teams.
0: On teams, oh, yep. nice, interesting. Uh, yeah. We're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a discussion about that.
1: Yep, we will, we sure will. Uh, and it's a great great turn up, great speakers. So it's uh, Jimmy, Jessica, uh, Magnus Mortensson, the RD for Asher. Oh, Myself, nice. Simon Volin. Wow. Uh, Alan Mendelevich and uh, Jakob Ian.
0: Heavy hitters, indeed. Yeah, so I'm in good company. Yeah, I'd yep. say that.
1: So that's the nineteenth. All right. And you are going to Germany.
0: I am going to Germany. I am going to Lingen to sequel grillen. <laughs> uh, the tagline is SQL server bratwurst and beer.
1: I would love for that to happen to me sometimes, without the sequel part.
0: Yeah, but you can't have one without the other.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I want two without the other. True.
0: Yeah. And I, I am um, when I w- actually was tapped for this one. I asked William Dirk, in the uh, organizer that um, William, where is Lingen? And he told me in no uncertain terms that Lingen is just about the ass end of nowhere in northern Germany. So I'm flying to Schiphol, Amsterdam, and I'm meeting up with a an, a great guy, Andrew Prusky, and we are driving to Lingen about two hours.
1: It, it's actually in the middle of nowhere. I told you. There, there are towns, the closest yeah, Osnabrück is i have heard about
0: yes and but there's an airport in Osnabrück. unfortunately it is very difficult to fly there from sweden
1: yeah i i guess so
0: Dusseldorf is another alternative but yeah in in the end Skifall was easiest for me since yeah. i come from lynchipping yep yep so there there that's uh that's gonna be fun yep. um for some reason it is not a big event at all i think there are 200 seats yep but There are so many people that want to come speak there and I was just amazed that I got a session. There's so many heavy hitters that was not chosen this year, so I was extremely lucky.
1: That was fun. That's that's fun. Mm.
0: I'm gonna do do the um, Azure um, uh, Awakens, the Force Awakens Azure SQL Server for the on-prem DBA. That's great. Mm. All right, so what is happening? Have you, by any chance, gotten a new Config Manager or something?
1: I have a new Config Manager, a new Intune, and a new Windows.
0: You're never bored, are you? No.
1: Okay. I'm not.
0: Well, take it away.
1: Yep. Um, Let's start with Intune, because they have one of the most amazing features coming up now. Really? They are improving Autopilot, and they are improving it... First of all, some small changes, you're able to pre-define the keyboard layout, pre-define the region and so on. So you actually get zero steps apart from choosing your network when you open a new autopilot device. So for a user, if you are connected with uh, a cable, the only thing you need to do is to enter your credentials and you're good to go. But the real interesting part is support for Windows Autopilot enrollment without user authentication which means that you will have self-deploying devices so you connect a device an autopilot enabled device to electricity network press power and up it goes and configures
0: itself how far does it configure itself
1: uh, it it's dependent on the operating system or or, or the MDM, of course.
0: All right. Uh, perhaps the most stupid question ever. How does the machine know where to ask for yep. content? Very good stuff question. Like?
1: Yep. It, it works in the exact same way as uh, Apple DEP does. So you have to pre-define, you have to get the autopilot information, the, the client ID from the device, which you currently get either from the OEM or in the Surface case from a partner, or later on from partners, or via OEMs through direct sales. And you can also harvest the IDs from already deployed devices.
0: Right, so each and every device has a unique ID. Yes. Oh, okay. And
1: when the device wakes up, it will contact Microsoft and ask, am I configured anywhere? And then it will point the device to each respective MDM
0: All right.
1: So it's really neat. And this without user authentication is huge. Yes. Because that will enable us to do, like you you can have a bunch of machines on a shelf standing anywhere as long as it has internet. Just put it out, insert electricity and network, press power, and up you go.
0: Uh, More questions. Go ahead. What happens if... Can you turn off the autopilot feature on on the client so that it will not stick its head up and ask if I'm set up somewhere?
1: No, but if you turn on a machine, and this is actually a feature request, if you turn on a machine without internet connection, you are still able to bypass the configuration. Okay. But then, again, you won't get anything useful of that device and the next time you redeploy it, and it has internet, it will autopilot enable, be autopilot enabled and join to the MDM.
0: What's the requ- what are the requirements for the autopilot to actually start up? Is that that Network you don't connection. have? Yeah, but the thing is, if if my machine is fixed and done and perfect in every way, every time I start it up, will it still no no, no poke no. its head up? No, it won't. Okay, it's,
1: it only does that in the out of box experience. It's only the first time it starts.
0: And unless I, I completely blow everything Yeah, if you, if away, you reset it, you'll find right. it,
1: okay. it down
0: yeah. Cool, I'm happy. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's amazing. Uh, we're also moving the targeting of autopilot profiles to groups. So instead of configuring each individual machine with a profile, you can now target an Azure AD group, which is neat. Uh, you're also able to set compliance based on device location, which is today IP ranges. So you get an MFA if you're off your corporate network, for example. Yeah. That's great. Um, and some other small bits and pieces. So it, it's a good uh, good release. I like it. But especially the autopilot uh, features are just amazing. Cool. Moving forward to Config Manager, they release. They usually release release it on Fridays, and uh, uh, David James re- was sorry about releasing it four days early. Aww. yeah, no one cared. Uh, <laughs> we we want new things. So uh, one of the things they are implementing uh, and are working on uh, still is third party software updates through Config Manager you will be able to, in this case, deploy HP client updates using Config Manager. So you have one single infrastructure to handle third-party updates, and they will, of course, extend this catalog moving forward as well.
0: And is that the um, the equivalent to the Surface firmware packages?
1: Kind of. Yep, you will be able to update. Wow, that's that's pretty deep stuff. Yep. Uh, They also have... the ability to transition Office 365 workloads to Intune in a co-management scenario. So instead of managing Office 365 updates through Config Manager, you can manage them with Intune instead mm-hmm. for a set of your devices. And, and this is actually a, a quite interesting feature. Let's see what questions you have after I read the headline. Shoot. Deploy software updates without content. Huh? Exactly.
0: I actually learned a very useful Finnish word in that respect. Te?
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, imagine that you have a large update. Yeah. Which you want the client to download from Microsoft Update, but Mm -hmm. you still want to configure it in Config Manager. Previously, you have had to download the updates.
0: Oh, and deploy them and from... Deploy mom- them. Oh, yeah.
1: So now we're only able to instruct the client, download this package, but either get it from your peers or get it straight away from Microsoft. It's a niche thing, but it's really, really nice.
0: I can I can imagine that the people that want it very much want it. Yep,
1: for sure. And uh, all kinds of small bits and pieces... Um, this is actually quite interesting as well. You are now able to provision Windows app packages for all users on a device. So previously, if you deploy a Windows app package to so an AppX mm-hmm. a modern app, yeah. you deploy it and install it for a single user because that's how the entire model is built around. You get it to one user. Right. Now you can target it to all users on a single device.
0: Also very useful.
1: Yeah, if anyone were using app packages. <laughs> So already for Windows?
0: Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Uh, 17682, right?
1: Yes, exactly. The biggest feature remote server administration tools is now available on demand.
0: Yeah, I I saw that. Even I saw that. <laughs> and people went nuts.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Yep. The whole idea with on demand is mm, nice. Yeah.
1: And you now also have more. If if uh, and this is actually a small thing, but it's a good thing. If you upgrade Mm -hmm. to a new Windows build, yeah, and you perhaps you have an old, really old build, and you upgrade it to a supported build, things will have changed. Yes, and now you're able to get the new features up and running so you get a small short instruction when you upgrade so this is new from your previous build
0: oh delta yeah cool
1: so so you can get more information this is also probably very useful for privacy related questions and so on so yeah things that's changed from your old version to your new version yeah you'll get informed of that nice and some improvements to sets as well um you are they are making it more obvious that you from an edge browser can open other apps as a tab. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's also very
1: Yep. And also some new wireless projection hated. experiences and so on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. That's it. It's a it's a quite small build. Uh but the uh RSAT is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree.
1: Uh, and it will probably also make it super easy to upgrade now. So you yeah. don't need to release a new one yeah. with every single build. You will get it as an update to your Windows.
0: And this is so cool. They are using the frequent updates to fine-tune the frequent updates. Yep. And the whole updating experience of Windows has, well, how to put this, becomes somewhat easier to work with. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of easier to work with, oh, no. actually, this you're is you're not talking about me, right? No, God no, no, because uh, no, you're black and white. Um, <laughs> there is something called um, color themes. Yep. When we do our PowerPoint presentations, yep. we are most often using power um, power themes. No, 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 color themes to. Make the visuals and and the the presentation pleasing for the eye. Yep. And um, every time we screw this up, Jessica <laughs> tends to kick us in the butt. That's a whole other different story. Anyhow, the color themes have come to Power BI. Oh, so you can now create color themes. That's a JSON yep. uh, file to give your presentations your your um, or your reports and and dashboards a specific color theme
1: yeah so you get you could get your organizational profile you could that's
0: nice it is very nice and it is so much easier to be consistent yeah and there is a tool called the power bi color theme generator or the power bi tips color theme generator because it was designed by the power bi tips guys it is very free I think the last version is version three. And you put in your name of the theme, your uh, colors, and it creates a color theme file for you. It is just super nice, very easy to implement, and very easy to use.
1: So when I think about color themes in PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. that's usually quite limited in talking about the number of colors available because you shouldn't mix too many colors.
0: True? Well, when yes I, and no. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: So when I'm thinking about Power BI and charts, I see the need for a l- much larger amount of shades.
0: Yeah, depending I, on the data
1: set, of course. I was
0: just about to say that cuz in in PowerPoint you should stick to four, maybe five different yeah. Different uh, colors, and th- that's the keyword being different. Yeah, yeah, yep. And in this case, definitely a few base colors and much, much more hues or or shades or whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, and there must be some kind of science ab- around how to visualize something using shades, using colors to get attention to certain things. Sure. Which sort of kind of perhaps could be hard with only shades and not different colors.
0: Yeah, uh, I have to be the first to to step up and say that I have nowhere near enough training on th- this. Kind of falls in the in the uh, intersections between user the d- user, yep. uh, what's it called, user user experience. user experience, journalism, and psychology. Yep, it's but an interesting. discussion. It is a very interesting discussion, and this is something that I will be talking to much more knowledgeable people about because yep. this is one of the aspects of. Uh, Visualization that I lack. Yeah. The thing is, I have just kind of tripped over a guy that is doing his PhD in North uh, at Visualization yep. Center. This is pretty much what he's he's doing his PhD on.
1: If you tripped over him, you sure he's all right? He is. We spoke. Yep. yep good.
0: He's good. And uh, I'll I'll actually stick to the Power BI yep. track because uh, I've I've. Spoken a few times about the Brent Ozar's first responder kit, yep. the uh, kick-ass series of scripts that Brent and his team uh, has created over the years. And what I didn't know for quite some time is that there is a Power BI report that you can connect to these repositories and the the output of these scripts. Hmm. And basically what it gives you is a dashboard that visualizes the results of these scripts.
1: So it's a, a, a health dashboard. You could say a health of. dashboard,
0: yeah. And you get the quick diagnoses, you get the uh, resource-intensive queries, um, batch requests per second, weight stats, the whole nine yards, and you get it in a very simple way. It is not the end of all reports at all. But it gives you a very good overview yep. and you can work deeper from within that. So, if you're using the um, first responder kit, definitely go check out the Power BI dashboard. It is very, very nice. And it has the same price as the rest of the first responder kit. That would be nothing.
1: Yeah. Or, as I said in Oslo, it's nothing in Swedish kroner, so it's 0.01 Norwegian kroners.
0: Yeah. And uh, I could put in some joke about how many pounds it's going to be, but I won't.
1: <laughs> Probably more pounds than Icelandic kroners. Might we? Might We sh- maybe should stop bashing other countries' currencies.
0: Yeah, considering the fact that the Swedish currency is going down in flames, <laughs> we m- just might.
1: Yeah, and and also the Microsoft stock is going upwards. The highest level of all time.
0: Do you have Microsoft stock? I haven't. No, neither do I. It's I have f- BrewDog stocks. I'm happy to hear that. For for some reason, I never buy stock in companies that go up. I only buy stock in companies that go down.
1: That's uh, good as well.
0: Yeah, so top tip. If you see me buying stock, buy something else.
1: Buy the competitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we, we stop, virtual TPMs are now supported on VMware.
0: Yep. And if you didn't understand that sentence, look it up. <laughs> it is big stuff. Yep, it's great. Yeah, so... W-
1: and there goes one of the selling points of Hyper-V.
0: Yep, it does. That's basically the virtual... Um, what's TPM stand for?
1: Trusted Platform Module.
0: Trusted Platform Module. So uh, cri- uh, cryptographic yep. implementation. You're
1: able to run BitLocker on virtual machines yep. or other TPM-dependent security features of Windows and Windows Server.
0: yep. And as you put it, one of the main selling points for Hyper we just went out the window. Yep. Too bad. All right. It is time to end the show. Thank you very much for listening. We will try to be back next week. We will. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye.